spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Welcome to the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. We highlight keen investment insights and strategies so you can become a real estate mogul. Here's your host, Yannick Kujo Virgil. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mogul Marathon Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Yannick Cujo Virgil, and I'm very, very excited for our guest today. Today, we have a guest that is experienced in underwriting, deal structuring, geographic focuses, and he has an accounting background. And so today's guest is Stuart Heath. Now, Stuart is the CEO of Harvard Grace Capital and a seasoned real estate investor of over 20 plus years. As I mentioned, he has an accounting background and his experience stems out of commercial real estate, development, construction management. He has an expertise in office. So welcome to today's show, Stuart Heath. Stuart, thanks for, for being on today's show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor uh, to be able to speak to you and your guests. So before we jump into today's you know, uh, show, give our listeners a little bit of insight behind who you are and how you got to where you are today. Uh, as, uh, as he said, I am a CPA. Uh, I've practiced for about 37 years now. Uh, so it makes me um, a really old guy, certainly the oldest one on this podcast. And, and I used to watch clients... Um, you know, certainly not a get-rich-quick scheme, but just generally build wealth over five, ten years investing in and out of real estate. Uh, and, and honestly, early part of my career, I really had an incorrect point of view on it. And I knew that they would do things I sort of turned my nose up on and just, I would never do that, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, in the middle of tax season, about 2000, I just sort of um, threw up my hands. I was exhausted. I was working 20 hours a day, realizing that I was making good money, but I wasn't building any wealth. Literally um, watched a late night infomercial one time. It was about buying real estate. I said, well, why not? What have I got to lose? And I had several great role models that were my clients, 
some of whom are some of my largest investors today. So I bought a duplex in a not so great part of town. Turns out I kind of liked it. I liked interacting with the tenants. I liked meeting their needs. I liked fixing little things. And and, I mean, I like making money more than that, but I just loved everything about it. And realizing that um, so long as the tenants did what they did and I did what I was supposed to do, that asset was going to uh, generate capital, generate wealth uh, over time. And sure enough, it did. I bought it for $55,000 about 10 years later, sold it for $120,000. We did pump 25K in there along the way, but still a, a really great return on that little tiny little property. You know, sometimes as one of my mentors told me, you just got to get into the game. You can't, you're not going to see anything happen if you're standing on the sidelines. So that's how I got started. And then I got into it in a big way. About nine months after I bought the, that first property, I bought a basket of our portfolio of 14 duplexes north of Nashville. Then I got in with a partner. We started building houses. Then I started buying up condominiums and one complex. I was looking for big portfolios that were all close to each other. Uh, and ultimately, till uh, big, by the end of 2005, had accumulated about 200 personal rentals. We started developing office condos in Franklin, Tennessee, and then one of these combo condo complexes where I had bought all the units. We were renovating those and trying to resell those. Uh, condos are very popular, 2006, 2007. Then the market started to change. Uh, I had 72 of those condos, and, uh, and, and I sold 28 of them in one weekend after we had rehabbed them. And then I didn't sell another one for over a year. And that was 2007, 2008, uh, uh, you know, the last time the world changed before 2020. So then I spent the last, the next couple of years uh, giving everything back to the banks. Uh, you know, didn't really come out of there alive and, and got some lessons that we can talk about from that. Uh, and then started getting back. It never, ever left my love for real estate. Uh, went back and took a few corporate jobs for a few years and had a few other residential rentals uh, along the way. Uh, and then started getting big time into commercial uh, in 2021. So. That's, that's my story and uh, sort of the genesis of Harvard Grace Capital. That's fantastic. So what, what was the biggest lesson that you learned coming out of the last financial crisis? I think a lot of people, a lot of veteran real estate investors, you know, would say that they, you know, sort of earned their stripes, you know, coming out of that. And, and you know, maybe they're still practicing real estate. But, but from your perspective, you know, what was the biggest lesson that you learned coming out of the last crash? I would say some people earned their stripes because they were smarter uh, than I was. I'm a CPA, absolutely no better. I was what they call equity stepping. I'd hold a property for about a year, refinance it, take that cash, go buy something else and, and, and grew the portfolio that way. I probably had all told 5K of real hard equity in that entire portfolio, uh, which is just stupid. Well, I mean, it's not stupid if you've got reserves to back it up. So lesson number one, uh, you're not a prophet. Don't assume that you know what's going to happen because nobody thought uh, the world would just, you know, the financial world would just stop spinning. And that's exactly what happened in 2008. 
and I had a plan. I was going to resell those 72 condos. I was going to net $5 million. I was going to pay off all my other rentals and then have a, a debt-free portfolio and, and just sort of grow it from there. Well, you know, the world changed before that happened. Uh, and even when I saw it, I sort of took confirmation of my plan when that one weekend we sold 28 condos. I had 26 ready for market. And I, so I sold all of those and took two pre-sales. I'm like, great. I am the smartest guy in the world, you know? And so just um, listen, learn, and prepare for the downside. I was just completely not prepared for the downside. Uh, had I had 300 to 500K in reserves, I probably could have carried a a $25 million portfolio for 12 months uh, and, and probably still have some of those assets, frankly, but I didn't. Uh, and, um, and and so that's what I've learned. So um, lesson number one, don't be stupid because uh, that's what I was doing. Uh, and, you know, you must prepare for the downside. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot of investors can, you know, point out different things that they've learned in the last financial crisis, whether it's, being over leveraged, maybe not looking at comps too well, whatever the case may be. But I think the fundamentals behind real estate or commercial real estate in general behooves you to have reserves, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, no different from doing a value add project, you know, C-class property versus a self-storage property. You know, you just never know when things are going to happen. I mean, I think in today's environment, it's really very true when we're, we're talking about interest rates that have skyrocketed, mm-hmm. you know, um, astronomically over the past 12 months and people can't get out of their properties or can't, you know, service their debt, right? I think reserves is definitely a 100%, you know, point that I think anyone that's getting into this space or is currently in this space should never, never overlook when, when they're looking at, you know, acquisitions or looking to buy properties. Yeah, it's a basic personal financial planning. It's the foundation of your personal, you know, the emergency fund. It's no different in business. Uh, and, you know, so what I was doing was gambling. I will say, I don't think I overpaid for anything. I was getting properties at good discounts. It didn't matter, you know, if you couldn't carry it because that was pretty close to being 100% leveraged. So I was clearly over leveraged. You know, that's mistake number two. But I had a lot of willing banks willing to uh, help me on that journey until, you know, their world stopped, too. <laughs> Absolutely. So you mentioned something about discounts, which leads me to my next question. You know, how are you looking at today's environment, given the fact that I think that there are discounts available in the market? Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about how interest rates are, you know, a, a huge factor in commercial real estate and the ability for someone to pay for a specific asset um, as it relates to the cash flow that they're going to receive. You know, we're seeing in the market that prices on average, I think across, you know, all commercial real estate asset classes are down 15%. You know, what's your outlook in the market today? And, you know, what are you excited about from an opportunity perspective? Uh, I I agree. Prices are down even in the hot markets uh, activity has slowed down. I, I don't know that they're down 15% in my area, but right now we are very opportunistic. I would say um, we kind of always have been. I don't know that 
conservative or disciplined approach to underwriting really changes based upon interest rates. Uh, because at the end of the day, we're just looking, pretty much all we do is stabilized cash flowing properties. So interest rates certainly dictates what we're willing to pay for a property. At the end of the day, we're looking for a minimum 5% cash on cash yield you know, after a 1.2 times debt service coverage uh, on a property. The property we're closing two weeks from now, we're buying that a million dollars below asking price. But we've been dancing with that seller since before Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, the, it took them a little bit of time to convince them that um, the market wasn't going to meet their price. Uh, and so it's a bit of a turnaround type situation. Uh, but there is enough there to cash flow a little bit. And we've already got one tenant that's going in to fill up one of the, so it's going to be cash flow from day one. But, you know, as opposed to the two deals we did last year, first deal we did at 3.25%, second deal we did at 5.39%, this one's at 7.5%, and we're strangely, we're feeling pretty good about that at the moment. But, you know, that has driven the price. So um, we, we underwrite a lot of deals, we make a lot of offers, we get very few acceptances because people are ready to take the hit. And, you know, what we're excited about is uh, more of this. Uh, I think Q3 of this year and probably last 12 or 18 months, there's going to be a lot of properties on the market that cannot refinance. Either they've been poorly managed, they've not structured their leases to be flexible with the market. And these are mainly long-term commercial leases. Uh, That doesn't apply to our storage business because, you know, we can change the rate in 30 days there. But this applies to our office properties. A lot of people got lazy with the near 0% interest rates or in the twos and threes and fours and and low low inflation. And they didn't have good CAM clauses in their leases. They didn't have um, any kind of flexibility. Uh, And so some of those um, properties are what I call, they're just locked in prison until those leases mature. But we're willing to come in and buy them at a price, and then we will restructure those leases appropriately to be market-based, which will give us a a pretty good pop in value three to four years down the road. All the while, we're we're getting some cash flow. So we're we're pretty excited about those opportunities. That's fantastic. I think to the the start point of um, what you were saying, I think how we look at deals is the fundamentals never change, right? The fundamentals of underwriting, the fundamentals of evaluating risk. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, people saying that, oh, you know, they're just going to be on the sidelines and kind of wait until the market, you know, changes. When I would argue that now is a great time. I mean, if you're able to get, I mean, you know, case in point, right, you're getting a property for a million dollars less than, you know, value, right? I think today is the best time to get into real estate and you should really be looking at it from, the fact that interest rates are just a byproduct of just investing, right? It, it certainly impacts your ability to, to pay on, on price, but it should never be just a, um, a deterrent of you deploying capital because if you're able to buy a deal today at a you know 15 to 20% discount, um, and it makes sense from a cash flow perspective, you do the deal, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. And, and if you find a deal that works today at 7 or 8%, 
24 months from now, you're likely going to be able to refi that at five and pull cash out tax-free and um, and go do some other deals because interest rates are just a variable in the market. But, but you're right. If the deal works, you do the deal. Absolutely. And another thing, too, I think, you know, in today's environment, I think the investors who have the, the access to low cost of capital as well are the ones who can truly win in today's environment, whether that, that can be cash, that can be, you know, maybe assuming the note. If you put that on top of, you know, acquiring a property at a good basis, I mean, that's really what all real estate investors want, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, what's the old saying? The best time to get into real estate was five years ago. <laughs> the second best time is today. Not to be flippant about it, but um, yeah, I referred to something my mentor told me. Uh, I said that earlier. You have to get into the game. I mean, you're a professional athlete. You, you know exactly what that means. I mean, you're not going to perform unless you're actually in the game. And you, you get not to go in there stupid. You know, don't go in there and do something reckless. But um, you know, you're not going to do much with your investing if you're sitting and waiting for the opportunity because likely – while you're waiting, the market's moving past you. One hundred percent. So, talk about your firm's, you know, main investment criteria and what you guys look for on deals. Right? You mentioned, you know, you know some retail. I think, you know, I know that you do some office as well. Talk about that as it relates to, you know, the current market. Let's say from, from an office perspective, right? Everything it seems like on the headlines, people are saying like office is just tanking. You know, it's down like crazy, but, you know, you're doing suburban office, right? Give our listeners a little bit of insight as to, like, why you're still doing office in this environment. Yeah. So um, I hope this show's not for children because you just used a dirty word, you know, office. You know, <laughs> um, you know, there's about six different subcategories of office. And I think the office subcategory uh, that is in trouble is Suburban Class A and Central Business District Class A office. Medical office is not in trouble. You know, quote, suburban Class B office is not in trouble. And first and foremost, all real estate is local. The first deal we did was an office deal, and and we closed that one in January of 22 when office was a, a bad word then. I remember talking to California. You know, some of the country was still locked down. Uh, then and, and office? Are you crazy? It's like, look in the South, we kind of pretended that there was no pandemic from about June of 2020 on. You, you know, every everybody kept coming to the office, but suburban Class B office where doctors are and dentists are and mortgage companies are and you know, your doctor is not going remote and he's not coming to your house, so he has to have a place. Uh, for you to go see him. Uh, and places like mortgage companies have to have, they legally have to have an office space. Uh, whether you do everything online or what, they legally have to have a, a, a space. So th- those kind of consumer-facing uh, businesses, they're going to have space. A lot of people say, well, you should just call that retail. Yeah, I get that. Uh, but I mean, technically, it's a suburban class B office. It's the Class A where um, the really nice stuff uh, with the marble countertops in the very fancy bathrooms and stuff in downtown areas and submarine. That's what I think is going to struggle. Uh, I don't know that a lot of other um, office types are going to struggle. Certainly not those two. I mean, 
there is a portfolio of 1 million square feet in our target area of class A office. It's for sale. And I haven't even downloaded the, the offering memorandum. I mean, a year or so ago, I probably would have been all over that, but not right now because that's not something we want to look at. Uh, you asked about our firm. So we distinguish ourselves two ways. At Harvard Grace Capital, we are not asset class focused. We are geographically focused. Uh, I, I'm in the center of our geography. I call it the 840-565 corridor, which is essentially south of Nashville and Middle Tennessee, down through northern Alabama, centered on Huntsville. Huntsville's a, sort of the major heartbeat of this area. It's a defense contracting hub. It has doubled in size in the last 10 years, and that doesn't seem to be um, slowing down. Uh, and a lot of that is government, military, as well as industrial-focused. Uh, Toyota Mazda just hired 10,000 people at a new plant they opened up a year ago uh, where they're building engines together. So it, it, there's a lot of economic factors going on in uh, what generally hear people call the Tennessee Valley. Uh, we know it. We live here. Uh, and our, our rule of thumb is it, we like things that we can get to within an hour. The other differentiator is that is um, we manage everything that, w- that we sponsor and buy. So uh, we're doing the property management. Nothing against third-party property managers. Um, they're great people. We've had bad experience with them. I kind of think the model is broken unless the property is really, really large. Uh, and there's plenty of budget there to uh, hire and keep good people as managers. But we're kind of in the under $10 million asset market uh, and 5%, even 10% of rents is not an earth shattering amount of money to keep a quality manager focused on that. We're investors. We've also sold the whole deal to investors. uh, So we have a vested interest to deliver on that business plan. And so we manage it ourselves We don't make any money doing that. We do take a market rate. But, uh, I mean, trust me, we're we're underwater on that every month. But that's okay because we've got the back end in mind. So that's that's kind of what we do at Harvard Grace. That's fantastic. So are you guys syndicating these opportunities or how are you guys putting together the equity? We're we're syndicating. We we all invest in all of our deals either as Harvard Grace or as um, the Harvard Grace principals. Uh, and then we syndicate out uh, to other investors as well. You know, traditionally, it's been with people that we um, have known 25 years or more. But every time we do a deal, we meet some new people and we get new investors each uh, each time we do a deal. And I um, guess I'm curious, too, you know, given all the headlines that are going on in the office space, have you seen any pushback from a capital raising perspective, you know, as it relates to just office in general or are your investors more? You know, do they understand the dynamics, the the geographical dynamics between real estate as a whole versus, you know, what they're seeing on the headlines as well? Yeah, certainly with people who uh, we've known less, uh, you know, less long, uh, yeah, which is office, office. Uh, you know, I, I said medical office. So in this go round, it's a small deal. They were asking two and a half million and, and we got it for a million five. But we're oversubscribed on that one now, 
you know, we came in and we did 60% loan to value on it and we raised $900,000 to have two years worth of reserves on the deal and we're, we're oversubscribed by a substantial amount. Some of that is my own fault, but we now have plans for that overfunding. But so, yes, certainly in talking, if they're only half listening uh, and you, they hear the word office, well, no, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. So a little bit of pushback, but uh, the investors that I know well, they listen because and they understand that there are subcategories uh, to office. And it's not most most people. You come to realize that all real estate is local, even though I'm not pursuing that big portfolio of class A office in Huntsville. The occupancy on that office is is in the 90s. I don't know what the weighted average lease term is on those, but Defense contractors are are one of these special class of tenants where, like during the pandemic, a lot of times they're working on things that are top secret. And those things can only be worked on in what's called a skiff that stands for something. But it's a, a top secret room where there's no mobile devices allowed and no Internet and you do all the work in there. You know, so those employees are going to that office. And so remote is not an option for them. So uh, I don't think that Class A office is going to have a, uh, a hard time in Huntsville, but I think it's going to have a dip. And we're not interested in, in, uh, in playing in that game. You know, we might watch that and see if there's some opportunities this time next year for some of those assets. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, real estate is always going to be, you know, very, very local as opposed to what you're going to hear on the headlines. And um, you know, for, for any of our listeners who are interested in just getting into real estate or trying to expand their markets, I think, you know, focusing on uh, just the, the localities behind the market drivers that would actually prop up or add value to your, you know, your real estate, you know, investment opportunity, I think is is the focus there. Hey, listen up. If you're an employee, business owner or professional athlete with money in the bank earning zero percent return and you're thinking about passively investing in real estate, Well, you need to check out our ultimate syndication guide for passive investors. This free guide absolutely covers everything you need to know about passively investing in real estate syndication or just real estate in general. If you want access to this valuable resource, go to MerlinAcquisitions.com slash passive guide to download the free syndication guide for passive investors. That's M-E-R-L-Y-N-N acquisitions.com slash passive guide or head over to the show notes and click the link to download. Now let's get back to the show. Stuart, you've been in this space for a very, very long time. I know that you were able to get through the last financial uh, recession, but you've been on this marathon for quite some time. You know, if there was one thing that you can turn back and look back and say, you know, if I would have done this one thing differently, I maybe would be in a different place. Or I guess the question is, what is one thing that you think you should have done differently that would contribute to your success today? Other than, you know, having reserves, I, I would say um, be patient if you're starting to build your portfolio, just do it in a rational and reasonable way. You know, I was trying to um, become independently wealthy in about 36 months, <laughs> you know, uh, and I was in a big, big, big hurry. Just be patient. Any kind of investing, whether it's real estate or otherwise, for the most part, a lifelong journey. You do things that you think make sense 
Some of them will be absolute home runs. Others may putter out and you might lose everything. But you know, if you invest wisely, it, that's not going to take you down. Uh, so uh, be, be patient. That's what I would tell myself 30 years ago. That's great advice. Stuart, if our listeners want to follow you, uh, stay in touch with you, get in touch with you, follow some of your investments, you know, what's the best way for our listeners to stay in touch? Best way to get to me is through the website, Harvard Grace Capital. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. If you go to our website, uh, navigate over to the resources tab and um, we, we have a resource over there, which if you are looking to passively invest, there's a checklist for questions you should ask your real estate sponsor that will prompt you to join our email list, which we would love to have you on that as well. Uh, you can also find my Calendly link on the website, and, and I would be happy to talk with any of you anytime about real estate because uh, I just love talking about it. So we would be happy to uh, talk with you. That's fantastic. Well, Stuart, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. Uh, you grace us with your knowledge of the importance of having reserves, given your trials and tribulations through the last financial crisis, your expertise on office, just a lot of things that I think people just need to hear about what's happening today and then also what they need to plan for in the future. So thank you again for being a guest on our show. Thank you to all of our listeners out there for tuning in to another episode of the Mogul Marathon Commercial Real Estate Podcast. Let's be great. Take action. And remember that real estate is a marathon, not a sprint. So run your own race. Thanks again, Stuart. Thanks for having me. Such an honor. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.